speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, here it is, Columbus Day weekend. This weekend in Canada, it's called Thanksgiving. We have Thanksgiving this weekend. And I'm told that there's some native Canadians giving thanks that Columbus didn't land on their shore. What does one say for greeting on Columbus Day? Well, Columbus was part of a great age of discovery, one of the great explorers. So I thought it'd be fun on this weekend to take that as a theme for our sermon and do a little journey through the readings and to see what God says about being explorers. Do famous explorers come to your mind when we have that theme? Do you have favorite explorers? I love reading stories about Ernest Shackleton, who tried to be the first person to get to the South Pole, uh, or about Lewis and Clark, John Cabot, Ferdinand Magellan, Marco Polo. Great stories. Christopher Columbus, uh, of course, is particularly controversial, particularly significant in our country and uh, the discovery and exploration of America. What were they seeking? What did their sponsors have in mind? What was it they were looking for? It certainly captured the imagination of people back in Europe uh, as these political, economic, and religious forces came together to institute this great age of discovery. They were exerting their wills, demonstrating their powers, going out, conquering, and subordinating others to their will. How could they find things they could bring back home and benefit themselves back home? Was there something that they could bring to those they were discovering to bless them? It's certainly still part of our modern mindset. If you go to the movies today, we have the movie about Everest, conquering of Mount Everest. We have this movie about Martian. Who's seen the movie The Martian? So so we're outer space exploration, wondering when we can get there. Uh, I did hear on NPR that there's a disconcerting number of Americans who believe that Martian is based on a true story. <laughs> there's religious conquest, the uh, Islamic uh, state trying to start a caliphate. Uh, there's deep sea exploration, one of the last frontiers in our uh, earthly quest to discover something new and exciting. And people are still discovering new uh, species of animals and fish. So for most of us, though, we sitting here this morning are not, it's probably not foremost on our mind to go out on some audacious exploration, discover something new, uh, and to exert our will against all odds, against some challenge. We're just trying to get along, to get ahead, and to get a better life. It's interesting that the first word in our readings today is the word Seek. Let's turn to it in uh, Prophet Amos uh, in, the very first, in verse 6. Seek the Lord and live. Are you on a quest? Are you on an adventure? I hope you are. There's something about the religious impulse that wants us to be safe and secure and kind of just land here and be here. But I think God calls us on an adventure. Amos says, seek the Lord and live. For many people, the religious life is a denial of life. It's kind of an abdication of going out and discovering. It's boring and irrelevant. But Amos, the prophet, says, seek the Lord and live. Down in verse 14, seek good and not evil 
that you may live. God calls us to the fullness of life, life with a capital L, that we're supposed to be on an adventure, a life that's exciting, a life full of wonderful surprises. It's a, for us, it's not an outward journey sometimes as much as an interior exploration. God calls us to look inside and look deep. What's going on in your heart and soul? Is it thriving? Is it growing? Is it full of curiosity and a willingness to expand? Then in, in the, at the end in verse 15, Amos says, Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gates. And so our quest is not just for self-satisfaction, not self-centered, but finding out what we can do for others, what God might call us to do to be a blessing to others. Seek justice in the gates. Uh, when I was in Israel last summer, it was really interesting. A lot of the digs had to do with discovering the gates of a walled city. Uh, we're also very fortified. We're often very uh, the place where economic business took place, but also the place where justice was called for. If people had a problem, they would go to the gates to seek justice. And so the same thing in, in Amos the prophet is looking for justice. Part of our journey, hopefully, as we align ourselves more closely with what God is doing, will be a blessing to others. In the incarnation, when God came to earth in the person of Jesus, it wasn't a journey of exploration. He made it all. He knew what was there. It was a rescue mission. And uh, the same with us. God may call us to rescue missions. Looking down at the Psalms, the first verse of the Psalms, one of my favorite. So teach us to number our days that we may present or apply our hearts to wisdom. When I was in seminary, our Old Testament professor told us to take out our pens. And uh, if we had later on in the Psalms, it says the normal age limit is 70 years, three score and 10 years. So he said, if, you're, if you were to live to 70, how many days would you have left? So we got out to multiply, you know, 70 minus 20 times 365. I just assumed I would have millions of days left. Lots of time to do what God was calling me to do. And I was very taken aback with the astonishing low number of days I had left if I lived to 70. The point is, we need to get on with it, to do it. Just as the Nike ad says, just do it. We need to find time. So a lot of us think we'd never have time to actually read the whole Bible, never have time to actually go out and do something for other people, or spend a day in prayer at a retreat. But we can. We do it. We need to make time. God calls us to get on with it. Okay, let's turn over to the uh, uh, reading in, a, in the Hebrews and the epistle reading. It's not a command as much as an exhortation at the bottom. Last verse, verse 16. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Now, this lead, what's leading up to here, if you notice in the reading, it begins with the word of God. And moves on to our great high priest. So we have the word of God written and the word of God in Christ, the living word of God. It's interesting that our Episcopal liturgy is designed around the word and sacrament. We read the word, we understand God's good intention and how far we far, how far we fallen short. And then we move on to the sacrament to see that God has provided for us to, to live out that desired and in, intention for us even though we fall short. 
Now it begins with the word of God is living and active. Most of us, I've talked to so many people who'd like to read the Bible and they start in the first page. And by the time you've gone through 11 chapters, you've hit three genealogies. People say, I can't understand this. I can't relate to this. And it seems irrelevant. It seems impossible, daunting, boring. But the writer of the Hebrew says it's living and it's active. And as we read it, it can speak to us. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, judge, uh, cutting between bone and marrow, judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If we want God to speak to us on that inward journey, he will speak to us in the daily reading of his word. And then he goes on to talk about the great high priest in verse 14, who has passed through the heavens, who has experienced the test that we have. So he will be a great guide for us on this journey of discovery, journey of exploration. And that, of course, leads us up then to the story of the rich young ruler in the gospel. He comes to Jesus, obviously, on a quest. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He seems to have it all together. Another gospel says he's rich, he's young, he's, and he's very religious. He says, I've done all these things since my youth. I've kept all the commandments. He really wants to inherit eternal life. He really wants success on that interior journey to be right with God, to be used by God. And Jesus looks at him And if you just read through this passage later and look at the dramatic uh, emotion that's involved. When when he says, I've kept all these things, Jesus looks at him and loves him. And he loves him so much he's willing to speak a hard word and say, there's only one thing lacking for you. Your wealth is getting in your way. Sell what you have and come with me. Come with me on this adventure. But rather than using his wealth to help him on the adventure, his wealth is blocking his adventure. And he goes away sad. Do you see in verse 22? He was shocked. He was grieving because he understood that Jesus was right. So, in a confirmation class, we're trying to help our kids understand that they can fit God into their schedule, but trying to say to them it's more important to think of how's God going to fit you into his schedule. It's not, what are we going to do with God, but what's God going to do with me? Do I have a place in his kingdom, in his heart, in his plans? And so he's shocked and grieved and goes away. And Jesus says these hard words, how hard it will be for those with wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Wealth is not a problem. It's the love of wealth. It's the adoration and worship of wealth It's putting our trust and security in our wealth rather than God that will get in the way of our adventure. But even the disciples, see in verse 24, they were perplexed. What could you possibly mean? And he goes on and and has that uh, very graphic image, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And they were greatly astonished. But then there's this very hopeful sign culminating in Jesus said, yes, you can't do it on your own. But all things are possible with God. We can go on this journey because God is with us. God is our guide. God is our strength. God is our power. But he wants us on the journey. 
We have to leave it up to him. If we trust anything else, it will fail. Ultimately, we must trust God, what he's done for us, what he promises to do for us. And then he promises at the end a reward. Peter says about all the things I've given up for you. And God says, Jesus says to him, you can't outgive God. Whatever you give will be rewarded, will be anointed and, and blessed and, in, uh, and go on to improve and grow. So let us go on the journey. Let's be like the discoverers and branch out, launch out into the deep. Let's put God to the test. Let's journey inward with commitment and passion, seeking justice, and most of all, seeking what he has in store for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.